Welcome to BBC's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website at ballamvineyard.org or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Okay, so we are doing um, a series on the kingdom, but what I'm going to be talking about today is um, the joy of of, uh, spiritual warfare. And... um, So the best place to start spiritual warfare is in the presence of God. So if everyone just wants to put out their hands in front of them. Yeah, Yeah, I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, come. We invite your presence right now. Come and teach us. Yeah, we want to know you, Father. We want to know you better when we walk out of that door than we did when we walked in. Yeah, we want to feel your tangible presence. Yeah. Thank you, God. Okay, so I'm going to share a story with you today. Um, which is a story about my mom and I. And um, what is awesome is it's actually Mother's Day in Australia today. So it feels very, um, you know, right on point that I'm sharing the story today. Um, But I'm going to start by sharing a psalm. You'll notice that we're not going to have the scripture on the screen. So um, I'll explain that a little bit later. But if you'd like to turn your Bibles to um, Psalm 27... I used to love it in church when there used to be the sound of everyone turning turning in their Bibles. (laughs) Anyway, so Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When evil men come to destroy me, they will stumble and fall. Yes, though a mighty army marches against me, my heart shall know no fear. I am confident that God will save me. The one thing I want from God, the one thing I seek most of all, is the privilege of meditating in the temple of his living presence every day of my life, delighting in the incomparable perfections of his glory. There I will be when trouble comes. He will hide me. He will set me on a high rock out of the reach of my enemies. Then I will bring, I will bring him sacrifices and sing his praises with much joy. Listen to my pleading, Lord. Be merciful and send the help I need. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me, O my people. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. O don't hide yourself when I'm trying to find you. Don't angrily reject your servant. You have been my help through trials before. Don't leave me now. Don't forsake me, O God, my salvation. For if my father and my mother should abandon me, you would welcome and comfort me. Tell me what to do, O Lord, and make it plain, because I am surrounded by waiting enemies. Don't let them get me, Lord. Don't let me, them, don't let me fall into their hands. For they accuse me of things I never did, and all the while plotting in cruelty against me. 
I'm expecting the Lord to rescue me again so I can once again see his goodness to me here in the land of the living. Don't be impatient. Wait for the Lord and he will come and save you. Be brave. Be stout-hearted and courageous. Yes, wait and help will come. Uh, Scholars have um, written about this psalm that they think that it was that, that it was written over two periods of time in David's life. But I read this, and I say, no, that was a man who knew the goodness of the Lord in the valley. I believe that was written at the, at the one time, and um, and I want to talk about that today. So, about six years ago, for those of you who don't know, I'm Australian. If you hadn't picked it up by the accent, um, about six years ago, I um, was visiting my family, and I was in Tasmania visiting my dad, and I got a phone call from my brother, saying that my mum hadn't been able to get out of bed all day, and I said to him, I said, Matthew, can you can you go and give me the give me the phone because I want to speak to mum, and he said, well, she hasn't been awake for a long time. And my brother has a disability, and um, and I was I was trying to get the you know trying to understand what was going on, and um, anyway this went over through the course of the day, kept on getting phone calls from Matthew, and um, and then I um, got a phone call from my sister's mother-in-law, and she said I've just called an ambulance and we've taken your mum to the hospital, she's under observa- observation they can't wake her, but they don't think anything's wrong, um, but it's just something's happened, she's just lost consciousness. And um, anyway, so I um, went to bed that night, and I, as soon as my head hit the pillow, I saw all of these visions of my mum's funeral, and I knew that she was dying. I just knew that something was, was terribly wrong. And this grief just came and just hit me. And I was bawling my eyes out and just weeping and weeping and weeping. And I had this thought that maybe this, that this grief wasn't from God. And so I said through gritted teeth and tears, I just said, God, if this grief is not from you, then take it away from me. And in that moment, as soon as I said, take it away from me, it left And God said to me, Georgia, this is not a time to grieve. So I went straight to sleep after that. And um, I had a dream. I had a dream that I was standing in front of the devil. And um, that he he was mighty and he was big. And he had all of his armour on. And I I was facing him and I had all of my armour on. And um, I was coming head to head with him in a battle. And all of my armour had a a tag on it, like a fluorescent pink tag. And um, and then I noticed that the arrows he was carrying had my tag on it. It I saw the fluorescent pink and I said, they're my arrows, give them back to me. And he had no choice but just to hand them back. And then, I, and then I saw his sword. His sword has my mark on it. I said, give it back to me. 
and he had to give it back. And this went on as I took all of his weapons off him and my, my weapons, my armour, became full and complete and he lost all of his, of his form. When I was standing opposite him in the beginning of the dream, he had a form. And then when I took the last weapon off him, he had no form and he was just darkness. And I said, I said to him, now in the name of Jesus, get out of here. But nothing happened. And Jesus walked into the picture and he said, this is the way darkness was always supposed to be. Powerless and a contrast to the light. I'm just going to read to you out of Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54 is a beautiful prophecy of the promise of the new covenant and how God was going to rebuild his people. Now, going from, um, going from verse 16, it says, I have created the smith that, who blows the coals beneath the forge and makes the, re- the weapons of destruction. I have created the armies that destroy. But in that coming day, talking about the new covenant, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And you will have justice against every courtroom lie. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. I woke up remembering that scripture and I read it that morning. And, and I, just, I decided right then, okay, this spear that came to me last night, saying this, this grief spear, I'm turning that around. And I'm standing on the truth that this is not a time to grieve. Um, I decided that day to go and see my mum's mum. And I was halfway, I was in Tasmania on a country road in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I got a phone call from the hospital saying that my mum had actually had a burst aneurysm in her brain, that blood had been um, leaking into her brain for 24 hours and they were airlifting her um, to a hospital in Melbourne. And I needed to get there as soon as I could so I could sign the paperwork and they could, they could perform the surgery. Um, I completely, completely broke down. I called my dad um, and said to him, you need to get my suitcases you need to meet me at the airport um and he he got off work came down met me um we got on the plane and um he went off once we arrived in Melbourne he went off to look after my brother and I went to the hospital with my um to see my mum um by the time I got there I wasn't able to see her I just signed the paperwork they took her straight into the theatre she was um, she had brain surgery for six and a half hours and I was sitting in the waiting room and I was telling this thing that this is not a time to grieve, that I am not going to be grieving any of my mum. And that, and this Psalm, oh, this Psalm 27, you know, that, that, that my enemies won't be able to find me because I am in a high place set up on a rock out of reach of my enemies, that death has to bow its name to my God. And um, anyway, so that started a very, very long um, four weeks in, in hospital with her. Um, the survival chance is about 3% for what mum had. 
and the fact that she'd been hemorrhaging in her brain for, um, for 24 hours meant that she had less chance of a full recovery, if any recovery at all. Um, my mum was 57 at the time, and I remember, uh, like, just, 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 just sitting next to her with my Bible, and, um, and I really felt God say, um, turn to Psalm 57. And so I turned to Psalm 57, verse 6, and it says, I'm going to turn to it, but I, I do know what if I have um, It says, um, verse 6 says, My enemies have set a trap for me. Frantic fear grips me. They have dug a pitfall in my path, but look, they themselves have fallen into it. And I just thought, you know what? I, w- I was having anxiety attacks. I was panicked. I was not strong at this stage. My, my whole, all of, all of the, I was signing all this paperwork saying, it's okay if mum dies in the sur- surgery and then rebuking it in the name of Jesus. Um, you know, like it was an intense time and I was not strong. I was not strong, but my God was strong. And um, when, when you're going through spiritual warfare, you have to fight it as a triune being. Like, God made us in his image, and he is made up of three parts, and so are we. If you... A big thing for me is that I, I had to make sure I was looking after my whole being. And um, so, so the scripture and prayer... I mean, I tell you what, I had everyone in the world praying for my mum. And every single time, if someone just texted me and said praying, I wrote it in her book. I wrote it in her book that I was writing and I'd, I'd go over it and over it, sending that prayer up. Um, I, I, I stood on the word. And can I just say that if you don't know your Bible, then you're missing out on the anchor. Because if we have a faith that is just experi- experiential, then what happens when we don't feel like we can do it? When, we, when the, all the circumstances are pointing towards death, when we are having anxiety attacks, when the enemy is, has, has a foothold of us, what happens then? We go to the strength of our God and we read this. Psalm 144, my God is an immovable rock. He gives me strength and skill in battle. He puts himself in front of me as a shield. I had no, I was weak, but my God was strong. And I knew that because I was rooted in his word. Another part of your trying being is your body. And I think one of something that has really protected my mental health through all seasons of life is sleep and good food. You know, when you're going through the valley, it is not time to be cutting out carbs and sugar. (laughs) Equally, (laughs) people do this. They do this. It's weird. I don't get it. Equally, it's not the time to be living off pizza and takeaway. Like, this is real basic stuff. This is basic. But, you know, like getting eight hours of sleep and eating some healthy food, like that that would do so much for you. Because you've got to fight this battle with your body as well. And then we have to fight it with our soul. You need connection. You need to be connected in community. 
Like that is such a big part of how God made us. And to say, I can do it on my own, I don't need anybody, to deny need is to deny the creation of women. Because God created women because we have such a, a deep desire for connection and to live in community. So that's, that's the, the three things. I, if ever I'm going through the valley, because sometimes you don't realise you're going through the valley and then you're in the valley. And, um, and if I start to, to fall into bad habits or if I start to um, become really introspective and get the guns out for myself, I go, okay, am I connected to God? Next thing, am I connected um, to people? Next thing, am I looking after myself? If I can answer no to any of those three questions, then I have to give myself a break and reconnect. So it's just a little... That's just for free. That's in there. So that is actually part of the reason why we don't have scriptures up today. Because I want, I want you to turn to your Bible... Like, this thing is real. Like, it's, um, you know, I, the, I, I'm all about the scripture on the screen because it means I don't have to use my mind. I just sit there and I just watch the words come up. But if I turn to my Bible and I see, oh, I remember when I read this, when I was going through this, or this is a part I've never read before, I want, I want to know more. So I just want to encourage everyone, you know, turn to your, turn to your Bible. Okay. So um, I so back to the hospital, back to the story. Um, we were about a week and a half in, and um, it's amazing how hair mats so quickly. Like literally after about three days in the hospital, my mum's hair started to become this huge dreadlock, and it really like it like she had this tube coming out of her head, and all this stuff was going on, and um, it just distressed me the fact that that, that her hair was not okay. <laughs> Probably other people wouldn't care about that, but that's a big thing for me. Um, anyway, so I, this one, um, this nurse helped me and we just sort of washed her hair and I was blow-drying her hair. And she had a spasm, which is um, when the, when the um, veins that go to the brain um, tighten. And that's what brings on a stroke, all that kind of thing. And um, she started talking about all this stuff that didn't make any sense. And um, anyway, and I just called over one of the nurses and I just said, something's going on here. Um, anyway, they rushed her straight back, into, um, straight back into surgery. And what's amazing, this is just on the side for, for fun, but what's amazing is what they do is they put little water balloons inside the veins to stop them from contracting. I mean, the whole thing's just amazing. Anyway, so um, <laughs> it's for free. Um, so they, they took her in and the doctor came out to speak to me who was going to be operating on her and her name was like Dr. Lou or something and um, I just said to this woman, I was just like, I, I feel like I need to know your name, like I need to know your first name and she said to me, my, my first name is Grace and I just knew, okay, God is with me. He knew this was going to happen. This isn't a shock to him. Um, and so I stayed up until about 3 a.m. that morning um, in, the, in the waiting room. No one else was there. I was so alone and so tired and I didn't have any battery left on my phone. And like, you know, it's just, it was just a really, really dark time. And, um, but God showed up. He showed up in that waiting room and he showed me his strength. He really showed me his strength. 
and, and I could hear music like just playing and it wasn't out loud, it was like internal in my head, but it was like God was saying, I will, even, I will provide even music for you in this season. And um, anyway, so after that, my, um, after that surgery, my mum didn't respond very well and she went into a coma. And um, so the next trip was down to ICU. And, um, and that was really, really hard because she'd been doing so well and then it came back and she was, um, she was not doing well at all. And they were saying, um, if there's any family, you know, that want to see her beforehand, then this would be the time to call them. And, but, you know, I had a promise. I had a promise that it was not a time to grieve. And I just thought about that. I thought about that, that picture of the devil, that that dream, you know, like that his spear belonged to me. I just had to turn that thing around to find the promise. That every time I, and I started to think about it, and I was like, every time I start to feel anxiety, I need to turn that around to find peace. That it was that, that these things weren't actually supposed to be coming against me. They were supposed to be bringing me into the Lord. They were a roadmap to my freedom. And so I was sitting in the waiting room at ICU and I was watching the Olympics, which I don't like. And uh, <laughs> anyway, this lady, was, this lady was sitting like opposite me and I had my hoodie on and I was like, do not talk to me, written all over my face. And I could tell, I could tell that she was wanting to talk to me. And um, anyway, she was like, oh, you know, do you enjoy the Olympics? And I'm like, No. I did not enjoy the Olympics. And um, anyway, and she came over and she sat next to me and she said, I'm so sorry. I know I feel like I'm intruding on your space right now, but as soon as you walked in and you sat down, I remembered a dream that I had like last week and I had forgotten about it, but I feel like it's really important that I tell you. And I knew immediately that God was speaking. And she proceeded to tell me that her husband had been in a coma for the last two weeks. And... Um, and in her dream, that there, she was in ICU sitting with her husband by his bed and there was a thief that was coming through and stealing things from the patients and dying. Like as soon as the thief would come and steal something, that the patient would die. And um, anyway, but she said, when the thief got to my husband's bed, he became all confused and he couldn't find him. And so he passed over and he went to the next person. And he said, she said, in that moment, he, he, my husband woke up and kissed me and he was totally healed. And I said to her, thank you so much for your faithfulness and sharing that with me. And she said, because, I said, because you've shared that to me, my mum is going to wake up. And, and I said, and your husband is going to wake up as well. And um, two days later, I saw her and she came up to me and she was, she was just, she was just full of life and she said, he's awake, he's awake. And on the same day, my mum woke up as well. Good is God. Good is he. And can I tell you guys, like during that time, it looked like I was surrounded by everything that was that was impossible and it looked like the enemy had a foothold. But I tell you what, I was surrounded by this God, 
by this God who was so good in the valley, so good to me. And his goodness never left. It never left. And even when I was broken and when I was tired, he was strong. He was so strong, so, so faithful. Um, so, so then we spent another three weeks in the hospital after that. And, um, you know, the, the doctors had this big, you know, doom and gloom um, thing of mum that she'd have to spend all this time in rehab before she got to go home. And, um, and I was like, no, no way. Um, we, are not, we are not then going through rehab. Anyway, God gave me this song to sing over my mum, so I sang it every day. And it was like... Um, they say we have to go to rehab. God says no, no, no. <laughs> and I, I like, come on, mum, let's sing our song. Let's sing our song. <laughs> anyway, so um, after, after a long uh, four weeks in the hospital, we got to go home. And my mum has made a full recovery um, but, I mean, she's a bit altered. She has a, a person. <laughs> she has a sense of humour now, and she never used to have one before. <laughs> so it's really funny. Um, she thinks Bill Murray is really funny now. She used to hate Bill Murray. She, yeah. So Groundhog Day. She loves him. <laughs> Anyhow, so um, the you know in um, James chapter one verse two. It says, consider it a joy when you encounter a trial because it brings perseverance. Can I just say that I count it a joy when I, when I see a trial coming, when I'm in a trial because, oh, because I know I'm going to get to know my God more because I know I'm going to get to know him as my healer, as my provider, as my comforter, as my great counsel. I know that I'm going to get to know him. I know I'm going to read this book and I'm going to see things I've never seen before. This is what makes us strong. This is what makes us unshakable. It is such, it is such a pleasure. It is such a pleasure to go through the hard things in life with our God. Can just get the band to come up. And if Mary, do you want to um, get the communion? What was um, what was bittersweet about this was when I saw my dad at the airport that night. That was the last time I ever saw my dad um, as himself. And it's so funny that I was fighting for my mum's life when it would actually be my dad who I would be losing. But that, I don't look at that and say, I got so ripped off. I look at that and I say, I've got a God who cares about me. Because I know I couldn't have gone through losing my dad without having the strength of my mum. And I don't know what is um, I don't know what is going on in your lives today, but I know who this God is, 
and he's here and he's in it. He's in it with you. And this is how we fight our battles as believers. This is how we fight our battles. We fight our battles on his victory. That's what the cross is about. And can I just say that any weapon that is formed against you, whether that be sickness, whether that be lies, that it is not meant to prosper. It is not meant to have power. That this enemy, enemy of ours is just supposed to be a contrast so we can find the light real and he's here today and he wants to come and he wants to fight this battle with us people say to me after they hear some of my stories they say oh but I don't have the faith that you have and I just say it's not about me not about my strength. Can I tell you, it's in the depth of unbelief. That is where faith is born. In the depth of our weakness, that is where strength is born. So we felt like it would be fitting today to come and take communion. As you're, as you're taking communion, as you're eating the bread and drinking, drinking the, um, the wine, grape juice, whatever it is, step into victory. Step into the victory, the reality of the cross. I want to invite you in, invite you out of the trial invite you out of whatever is going on and into the victory. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our BBC speakers.